Yep. Cool. Let's do it. It's a lot, isn't it? Hi everyone and welcome to another week of It's A Lot with Abby Chatfield. This is me, Abby Chatfield. This is real, this is me. Um, how are you all going? Uh, I'm doing equally as bad as I was last week, which is really joyous. Um, but what can you do? You know, mental health is a struggle and also coronavirus is a struggle as well. So this week... I want to talk about something that you've all heard a million times before, and that is my ex-boyfriend. Lucky, lucky you guys. I mean, I feel like the reason why I keep talking about him is because A, like trauma bonding energy, but also because whenever I speak about him, someone, at least one person emails or DMs me saying they can relate and they're glad that someone's talking about it. And I think the relationship that I had with him was very much grey area toxic. Actually, no. No. <laughs> what am I talking about? Well, my friends would be like, no, it was not. It was not grey area. And I'm like, it, I, how could I have known? Me, three STIs. Me, neglected for days at a time. Like, me having developed depression and anxiety during the relationship. And I'm like, it was very, it was hard to see. But I feel like it was kind of like little little things almost every day that kind of fucked with me. So, we've been broken up for a long time. We have had moments of talking and not talking since he broke up, but I essentially haven't seen him since he ghosted me when my grandma died on June 4th. He was supposed to come over for dinner to help me because my grandma, the one of the most important people in my life, died who he knew, and he ghosted me for a few months. Basically, we've done for a while. And I think... Because I was with him for so long on and off and because I feel like I should hate him, I have tried to trick myself into thinking that I'm over it and that I shouldn't like speak about it and then I shouldn't really let it affect me because I'm like, well, he's an asshole and he doesn't deserve my time, my energy. And that's what everyone says to you. Like, he doesn't deserve any more of your tears, babe. And it's like, yeah, he doesn't. But also what's happening with me doing that is that I'm not speaking about it at all and I'm just suppressing all of it. And I've had a little while that therapy and that has led me to now be crying when I see a random person who looks kind of like him on the street. One of my friends said his full name the other day and I cried. Um, And, you know, and it isn't that I miss him and it isn't that I want to get back with him. It isn't isn't that I ever want to be in that relationship ever again. I don't think I even want to speak to him um, because that would open a wound that is just not beneficial for anyone, not even him. I think uh, in some ways we're toxic for each other because we are trauma bound. Um, but I had a massive breakdown on the, on the break. It was on Christmas Eve and I recorded myself crying. Everything is content, babes. Everything is content. Like at this stage, what the fuck? Why am I recording myself having breakdown? But the reason why I recorded it was because I have a letter that I wrote to him when we broke up earlier last year in 2020. And it helps me looking back whenever I because sometimes I do miss him. Sometimes I do think about him for like a whole day and be upset that I don't have the validation that he drip fed me anymore because, you know, trauma bound. Um, but I'll read this letter and it makes me feel 
better about the situation and makes it reminds me why I couldn't be with him anymore because I think when you break up with someone particularly someone that's toxic for you you tend to look back at only the positive times and you're like I you know yeah it was shit but I can't think of anything that they did exactly pinpointed at the end and what he was doing was making me feel bad about myself every day and he is also the reason now why I am uh, even more so anxiously attached than I previously would have been. I think I already had those issues, but he definitely amplified them. Um, so I'm going to play you this really embarrassing. It's me reading out a letter, and I guess I just wanted to – oh, my God, it's 15 minutes long. Jesus fucking Christ. I did not realize it went 15 minutes. I thought it was like three minutes. Oh, my God. I was crying. I was so upset. I missed him so much in this moment. Um. But it reminded me of like what I deserve in a relationship and also me looking back at this letter reminded me what I need for my relationships now and what I should expect for myself now. It's kind of like a little time capsule from past Abby being like, don't let this happen again. Um, so I'm going to play this and then I'm going to tell you something else dramatic that happened in my life. Um, I actually can't listen. I'm so embarrassed. All right. Hey, everyone. It's Christmas Eve. And I am sitting in my apartment crying, absolutely fucking sobbing. You all know that I have a very, very hard time uh, regarding ex-boyfriend that I love. For those of you who haven't listened, um, I only was able to upload one part of that podcast because he wouldn't allow me to upload the second part despite giving me consent. Anyway... I guess the reason why I'm making this little note of me on Christmas Eve is because I just want to show anyone who is recovering from a very bad relationship or a very long relationship or a very good relationship that your progress isn't linear. Um, I felt that I was going really well in the past week. It just feels like... I'm consistently aware of where he is in my atmosphere. Not that I've seen him, not that I've heard from him. I just am thinking about him all the time. And it's not making me miss him. It's not making me... It's so bizarre. It's just, it's very hard to deal with someone that was to be part of your life and kind of dictated your moods for so long, just not being in it and you feel good for a while and then someone reminds you of that person. I had someone tell me, kind of be quite mean to me and and say, you know, how does it feel to know that you were never good enough to give him what he needed? Um, That person's a dickhead though. But um, I in the past week I've just been like constantly thinking about him and not about anything particular. It's just that I'll go for a run and I'll be like, I'll probably see him today because we live so close to one another. Um, I'll go out for dinner and I will leave because I'll think I might see him out tonight. Like I'm avoiding going out. I'm avoiding seeing him. I'm avoiding certain areas of Brisbane that he lives in. I'll, my run is now a different route because I'm just like, I don't want to risk seeing him. But, it's driving me mad. I feel like I'm in like the first week after the breakup and I, I don't understand what's happened. Um, and what I usually do when I feel like I kind of miss him or I'm thinking about him a lot is I'll read this letter that I wrote to him when we broke up um, because it reminds me 
of why we broke up and my worth and what I needed and what I still need more than anything. It actually kind of encourages me. It's like my past self writing myself a little note being like, remember, you don't want that and you also don't want anything close to that ever again. And I was just reading it and obviously crying, as you can hear. But I thought I'd read it out to you all in case someone's going through a breakup because someone couldn't give them what they needed. And maybe, sorry, I'm still thinking so much, like the opposite of ASMR, it's so disgusting. But maybe if you can hear what I said to myself, it always makes me feel better. Um, Even though it was a sad letter and there's tear marks on here and I wrote this when I was crying, but I decided to end things with him fully when I got this amazing deal and it was a ridiculously big deal and he just said, cheers, babe, didn't even kiss me. And then I said, I think I'm going to buy a house next year. And he said, why would you live in a house alone? And I realised that he did not see any kind of future that I saw and he didn't think that I deserved that or I deserved clarification on that, that he just loved me when I was directly in front of him, but he didn't love me enough to see a future with me. And I was a great addition and I entertained him when I was in front of him and I would, you know... I was fun, but it wasn't, I wasn't worth any extra effort. So I'm going to read this letter out. This might be a bit fucking nuts, but honestly, I read this and I, it helps me. So I'm just going to read it out and hopefully some of you can relate. This is on the 14th of April, 2020. I dated it, so I don't remember how long it had been since I'd feel this bad. So this is, what, eight months ago and I'm still in this much pain. So hopefully someone can relate. After three years of us both being in other relationships, me going on a dating show and us finally being in a good space emotionally, you still can only give me 40% of what I need. You don't make me feel secure. I do not trust you. I know you love me, but I don't know if love means the same thing for both of us. I'm willing to sacrifice and compromise to no end and now I need you to meet me exactly where I am. For you to not be sure after three years means you don't want me. I fear bringing up my issues or voicing my needs because you run at worst or disengage at best. Though you don't intend to do it, it feels as though I'm being punished for bringing anything up. Not me making excuses. What the fuck? When I want more, it isn't because I'm unhappy with where we are. It's the opposite. It isn't a criticism. It's acknowledgement of how we're doing and that I'm happy with our progress. The reason I push it is because I want a future with you, but also because I feel like we've been treading water for three years and I have nothing to show for it. I don't want to spend my 20s expecting less than what I deserve. I don't see a future with you that you are as enthusiastic about as I am. I feel like I am hard work from your perspective. And it doesn't matter how any other person's relationships are, but this is too hard for you. You don't want kids. You don't want marriage. I can't wait for you for any longer. I deserve something good and for someone to give me what I give to them. I want an enthusiastic yes, but you at best can only give me an okay. I love you. I love you. And that love is something I don't want to lose. But I'm now wasting time. And if I don't tell you this, I never will. I want to have a future with you. You're my best friend. 
but I don't want to feel as though I'm forcing you to do anything. So I don't even know if I gave that to him, but I just think it's really interesting reading back the progress that I'd made from the start of our relationship to that, like how fed up I was. And that, I don't know if that letter sounds like I'm being a pushover or, but this was a huge deal for me to break up with him because I had never done that before. I never ended it. I had never, ever, ever put my foot down. And this letter was waiting for nine days before I got to see him again. He wouldn't let me end it, blah, 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 blah. The point of the story isn't that. The point of the story is this is something that I need to make sure that I carry through to now in what I deserve in a relationship. And I really struggle with anxious attachment and I often date people who are quite avoidant um, and that's because it's what I know and it's what I'm comfortable doing, you know, they're the, the chasing. But the issue is I'm now becoming anxious avoidant. So I am now shutting off before anything can remotely happen because I think what is the point in putting in all this effort? Because what's going to happen is it's going to be like this guy. I'm going to put in all this effort. I'm going to be embarrassed. Like I'm going to be embarrassed at buying them a birthday present or embarrassed at organizing a trip away or feel like they don't want to see me or, you know, they will not be proud of me and I will be so proud of them and it will be this completely out outweighed thing. But I think reading that just reminds me that I actually do deserve to not be in something as awful as that was to the point where I'm writing things like when I ask you for more it isn't because I'm unhappy like of course it isn't I was asking for us to maybe move in together in a year and I'm having to explain that it's not because I'm mad I'm not mad at you I'm not mad at you I'm not mad at you like the amount of fear that I had bringing anything up because he would just break up with me if I brought up any issues, was wild. So even if it was like, I think we should like move in together, it was like it disengaged, shut down, I can't do this, I can't do this. And um, I think that was malicious on his part, to be honest. Like I, reading this, I'm not even, I'm not mad at him. I'm just, it just makes me sad that I put up with that for so long and it makes me certain that the next person that I date, I'm, I shouldn't give any third or fourth chances to I mean I think everyone makes mistakes so I'm still a very big believer in second chances but three years of my life I was wasting on this person almost four and I just hope that anyone listening to this if you're in a situation where you feel like you aren't getting what you deserve you need to speak up and if that person doesn't want to give you what you deserve then end it because I wasted my early 20s so sad and now I'm 25 and I'm still young and I'm glad that I've realized all this but it's taken a lot of therapy and I still have days like this where I cry about how I was treated or I cry about I do miss him sometimes I'll have little funny jokes that I'll see and I'll think fuck I wish I could just call him and tell him what happened or I'll go through the album my phone of us did that today and it it feels like it physically hurts me thinking about him. I can't talk about him still. I can only vent on this podcast. I can't talk to any of my friends about him. Someone says his name and I I, can't, I actually can't talk about that person because it triggers me into a panic attack and I won't be able to sleep. Like it's, it's extreme, man. Like, so yeah, if you're feeling like any of these, this resonates with you, 
have a conversation with the person you're with and and I would say break up with them because your time is so valuable and your energy is so valuable and you get to a point when you are with someone for that long that treats you poorly for that long, whether it's intentional or not, that isn't giving you what you need, I guess is a better term. When you're with someone for that long that doesn't give you what you need, you get beaten down and you get jaded and you get bitter and you give up a little bit. Like I don't even get like butterflies when I like someone new now. I go, well, this is going to end. And not even in like a self-deprecating way, like, oh, I'm going to ruin it. I'm like, well, this is going to end awfully. Something bad is going to happen and I'm going to have to get over this one. So I may as well just not have feelings to them because I'm going to have to get over them. If you want things like marriage and kids and you want a future with someone and they're, like I said in this, if they're not giving you an enthusiastic yes, you have to sort that out. I'm saying this because I wish that I had thought about this when I was 22, 23. Not when I was so far in that it feels like I still live every day with an open wound. And it doesn't feel like it's healing. It did. It did feel like it was healing. But the damage that this person did to me is, I don't think it's ever going to be better. I think it'll be better. I don't think I'm ever going to be mended. And that's okay because it builds character and I know what I want in a relationship and that is Builds character, shut up. I'm never going to be the same as I was before, never, ever, ever. But it just makes me sad and I just really, really hope that anyone listening can relate to that letter that I wrote to him. Um, Just rethink things and listen to your friends. Like listen to your friends and they're telling you this person's bad for you. All right, well, I'm going to go and cry a bit more listening to some Vera Blue. Also, side note, if any of you are going through a breakup, the best thing to do is listen to Vera Blue's perennial album from start to finish, what I would do when we broke up initially in, like, May, is I would put on from the first song in order, and if I could go the whole song without crying, then I was allowed to listen to the second song. You get all your tears out, you get all your emotions out, and it's a banger of an album. Um, All right, well, I'm going to cry now and have a glass of wine and watch some very tacky reality TV. (laughs) How depressing. (laughs) That was so depressing. That made me so sad. Isn't it so sad? It's actually so depressing hearing myself talk like that. How embarrassing, but also, like, how iconic. Um, I mean, I still stand by what I said. It's still pretty, like, I mean, I still kind of feel the same way. On New Year's Eve, I had a breakdown about him as well. So it was just breakdown after breakdown. But it's funny listening to me. That was, what, like a month ago or something. But even me a month ago. So ever since then, I... Um, have had a similar kind of, I guess we call it a situation ship with someone that I'm proud of myself because I took my own advice and I was like, what's going on? He couldn't give me an answer. So I said, Look, like, I, like, I adore you, but like, I, I can't waste time like I did with my ex. Like, I just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. So um, I have had to uh, cut someone off who is literally like one of my top three people of all time so that I can just get back to um, being their friend. And then when I said that to them, I was like, oh, I actually can't do that. I can't do this thing that I did with my ex. I can't be waiting around. It's been a, a little while that I've been kind of seeing you and I, I can't just be back and forth with this. This is just needs some clarification. 
And I was like, yeah, I just need a couple of weeks to um, kind of detach. Uh, and I was like, oh, and um, once I detach, my feelings are gone. Like, I'm, like I'm, this, is, this isn't like, oh, I need a little bit of a break and you can figure out yourself. Because he was like, I need more time. And I was like, well, if you don't know by now, then you know by now. So I was like, I just need to detach. And um, my feelings need to be essentially deleted from the face of the earth. Um, even in the recycling bin, they need to be gone. And I was like, I won't feel anything again. Just a heads up. <laughs> and he was like quite upset by that and was kind of like oh okay so that that's it and I'm like well yeah because I've known that I've had feelings for you for a few months now and I vocalize that to you and you vocalize it to me as well but now you're saying that we're just friends which is totally fine to change your mind but like what you want me to sit here and like hang like like on the reserve team and be like I'm, like sub me in coach like what like what the fuck so um even though your girl is still sad and still thinks about old mate all the time i feel like um i've at least learnt my lesson a bit and i hope that anyone who's with someone or dating someone casually and it's been like months <laughs> and you're like i just don't know i guess i'll wait for his text and like he'll call me and like i'm not gonna answer his call because he didn't call me back on time and i'm gonna oh fuck that literally in the jungle i realized like i can't be fucked anymore i literally do you like me yes or no you don't know great that's a no that's totally fine um but i'm not wasting any more time i wasted almost four years of my life on this person who fucked me around and now I just I cannot be asked like I'd rather be alone and um I'd rather be alone than be like oh I'm not really sure and this is the thing as well about this linear this linear healing thing I mean when I was like fully single after because it was coronavirus like hectic our lockdowns in Brisbane then and I couldn't like meet anyone so I I was forced to be single because we broke up and then I couldn't do anything joyous like fuck random people so I had to like just masturbate all the time and it was the happiest I've ever been was when I was single and like content being single and then he kind of came back into my life and then and ever since then it's been harder for me to like get over it because he's like he says things that are just like obviously bullshit but you know to to make me obsessed with him because he's a narcissist um well who knows if he's a narcissist who knows who knows that's all uh, allegedly um but uh, yeah, no. So like my healing was, I felt like it was done. And now I feel like it's literally like week one. We're week one. We're back to feeling like shit. I also think the issue that I have as well is that I over intellectualize everything. And I'm like, now that I've had so much therapy and that I'm on like therapy TikTok, like that's the corner that I'm in. I'm acutely aware of everything that I do. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm just anxious now. I don't know if I'm anxious avoidant. I don't know if I... Um, I'm certainly not secure. That's a fucking sure. I thought for like a week that I was secure. Lies. Absolute lies to myself. I'm not well in the head. Um, but I, like it, like I said in that, like it's getting to a point now where it's like, I'll meet someone that I like and I don't even bother getting engaged in that emotion. Like I will, it's kind of like entertainment, but it's not like I don't feel anything because I just think, well, you're probably just like my ex. And someone, the person that I was, I had to cut things off with was literally like the nicest person on the planet and like adore him. And he still did this shit. And like, he didn't mean to, but he still was like, I just don't know. I don't know what's going on. And the thing is when you accept like this half-assed shit, it kind of reinforces this narrative that you have of yourself that you aren't worth like full-blown commitment and or even commitment, full-blown admission of feelings or communication that you have to kind of be like in the dark 
and drive yourself nuts. So fuck that. And um, I'm sure you'll get another crying voice note sometime soon. That's so embarrassing, but also pretty iconic for me that even even in the depths of sadness and drinking a bottle of wine and crying on Christmas Eve, had that content in mind. She she works hard, if nothing else. Uh, so <laughs> that's my uh, ex-boyfriend that I love update. Uh, we're still sad, which is really, really good. All right. So after we've had that little depressing moment on the podcast, I now have some more nightmare fuel for all of you. And this is from a um, a lovely follower who DM'd me just randomly. Like, I love when you guys DM me. It's like, I feel like you need to know this story. And I'm like, you know what? I do. I do need to know this story. Um, she sent me a um, little screen recording, but I think she summarized it in a proper voice note. So here we go. Hello, and welcome to the story of the worst hookup that not only I've ever had, but the worst hookup that anyone has ever had. So for some context, my girlfriend dumped me out of nowhere a couple of weeks ago and I was like, you know what, it's been nothing but pussy for the last couple of months, so time to get me some dick. Uh, I just happened to be house-sitting for a friend at the time, so I was like, alright, we'll schedule some dick appointments. Uh, Also important to note that I was getting over a cold. Um, I tested negative for COVID, so I was in the clear, but I still wasn't feeling 100%. So this guy came over. And it was a bit awkward to begin with, as it usually is with the first hookup. Uh, And after a bit of small talk, he he goes, okay, well, uh, let's ease the tension. And he leans in for a kiss. And I'm like, right, here we fucking go. And this motherfucker kissed like fucking Kath and Kel with his mouth wide open. There was like a chomping action and his tongue was like flicking in and out. It was disgusting, but I really needed some dick. So I was like, all right, let's take it to the bedroom. So we go to the bedroom. And we continue to make out, if you could even call it that. Um, He goes down on me for about 2.5 seconds with that same chomping action. And then he whips it out. And uh, look, gonna be honest, he was below average sized, which is fine if you know what to do with it. But he did not. Um, So he immediately asks me to get on top. I was like, James, sweetie. I was in a motorbike accident a month ago. My knees are fucked, but like, all right, I'll give it a red hot go. So I did, and I was doing my thing, giving it a bit of bounce. Um, And several times mid-sex, he asked, so do you want to be fuck buddies? Oh, I was like, oh, maybe. During sex, he asks, do you want to be fuck buddies? Also, isn't a fuck buddy something you just like eventually come to? It's not really something you think about on the first, the first penetration, but let's continue. He's like, oh, why maybe? I'm like, uh, you know, I just, I don't know what I'm looking for right now. And he was like, oh yeah, fair enough. So eventually my knees get really sore, so we switch it up, and I'm on my back with my legs up around his neck, and this is when it gets weird. So he grabs my foot, puts my toes in his mouth, and sucks on them. I flinched a lot because my feet are ticklish as hell, and he took me by surprise, like, not to kink shame, but don't do that with no warning, you know? So it was a bit weird, but like, I'm an actress. So, you know, I was moaning, trying to make him feel confident, whatever. Then he asks to go reverse cowgirl. I'm like, (laughs) my knees. Okay, then. 
So we're going at it yet again, giving it some bounce. Um, then what does he do? He puts his finger up my bum. No lube, no build-up, no foreplay, no warning, just shoves it up there. I was like, no, 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 no. He's like, oh, no. I was like, no, no. So, um, yeah, we, we keep going and then he sees the butt plugs on my bedside table and he's like, oh, is that a dildo? And I was like, no, those are butt plugs. My dildos are in the bathroom because I just washed them. So he goes to get one. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I'm going to get some pleasure out of this. All right. So he walks in with the biggest fucking nine inch pink dildo. And I'm like, all right, go big or go home, I guess. And he just starts jackhammering it into me so fast and so hard. And I was like, oh, whoa, 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 too fast, too hard. Okay, on, on just a, a quick, a quick caveat on the point of jackhammering. Jackhammering for some people feels amazing, but I honestly, the only time I get pleasure from jackhammering is if I'm getting like pounded and, and like it's part of the repertoire. Like you're a whore, fuck you, like you fucking bitch. And I, physically, for me, for me, and a lot of my friends and a lot of um, people who have vulvas, and when you say jackhammering, they all go, Ugh! when will they learn? Let's continue. And he, I guess, interpreted that as, I don't want this. So we just put it away. I was like, no, just do better. What? Um, but then he asks me to get on top again. I'm like, you motherfucker. Like, if TAC wasn't paying for my physio bills, you sure as shit would be because ouch. But we're going at it yet again. And then he just blatantly asked, so you don't like anal? And I was like, oh, no, I like anal. I've done it. I like it. Also, why is he asking questions mid-sex? Shouldn't these be pre-sex or post-sex questions? Why are we doing it while he's inside you? Why is it like, this is a good time to ask, do you like anal after I've already fingered your ass, not asked for consent? This is a good time to ask, do you want me fuck buddies while I'm inside? Like, what? What, mate? These, these, these are, these are pre-questions, consent pre, and then the post-question could be the fuck buddy thing if the sex was good. We continue. But it takes preparation physically and mentally like I've been needing to shit all day and you just shoved your finger up there like it was a fucking guess what's in the box game James what the fuck so anyway my knees like are fully dead at this point so I was like I gotta get down and he's like oh well I'm close do you want to give me some head and I was like I can't breathe through my nose so no and he's like oh how about a handy I was like oh fine I just want this to be over because this lasted far too long like the boys got stamina I'll give him that, but he hasn't got much else. So I jerked him off and then he jizzed everywhere, which was inconvenient, but at least it was done. And then he's like, oh, let's go have a shower. I was like, fucking read the room, James. But we got in the shower and then he tried to get freaky again. And I was like, oh, I think I need to sit down. Like, I'm not feeling so great. So I got myself a glass of water and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm still getting over my cold. And he's like, oh, I hope you didn't give me a cold. And I was like, oh, I hope you didn't give me chlamydia. So then he's like, oh, I hate to be that guy, but like I do have to get going. And I was like, oh, that's okay. Bye. So he left. And then the next day he messages me. He's like, best sex ever. You free tonight? And I was like, look, I'm going to be honest. I didn't really vibe last night. So like, no. And he goes, oh, do you mean like conversation or sex? And I was like, um, 
both, I guess. He's like, oh, what was it about the sex? You can be honest. I was like, James, you do not want me to be honest. So I just blocked him because I didn't really want to hurt his feelings. He was nice enough, but I need some good dick. So yeah, if anyone's in Southeast Melbourne, if you want to recommend yourself, let me know. That's all. Bye. Holy shit. Okay. So this literally, I feel like it had so many, it had the makings of every bad hookup everyone's ever had. It's had a guy that thinks thinks that being kinky or being adventurous is is just fucking putting your finger up the ass with no prep, no rimming, nothing, just just a dry finger up a unclean asshole. Um also, a guy who seems to think that the sex was way better than you did. A guy who thinks toys are just for... It's weird. It's like sometimes when they're fucking you with a dildo, they think that it's like for their visual pleasure. Like they've only watched porn and they don't think about how it physically feels to have something jammed inside you with a nine-inch fucking pink dildo. Like there are so many trappings. I mean, I feel like this poor love, she's really gone through it. She's been... She's been eating pussy for so long. She's probably had a lovely experience of that, probably lots of orgasms, probably lots of, you know, reciprocation with, you know, lesbians, when you have sex with a girl and you're a girl, it's usually fucking much better than men. So she's gone from that to the worst. One thing that I will say though, babe, is he asked you what was wrong and I feel like you should have told him what was wrong, if not for you, but for others. In the words of Dan Savage, she has the campfire rule. For those of you who don't know who Dan Savage is, Dan Savage is an amazing podcaster who gives amazing advice. Um, but he says you should leave people better than how you found them. And if he asks, if anyone asks you what was what was it about the sex that wasn't good, please tell them and then block them. You can block them if you want, but just just let them know so that the next girl that they sleep with doesn't have an unconsensual finger up the ass, an unconsensual toe in the mouth, an unconsensual pink dildo up the poussoir, or any orifice really, uh, make sure that the next person this person has sex with is getting uh, a good time, better time than you had. I mean, yes, it is quite, you know, it's quite selfless for you to do this, but that can be a good deed for the day is tell people how they can be better at sex. Uh, that certainly was some nightmare fuel, but uh, we will see you guys next week. Please keep emailing in <laughs> your awful horror and sex sto- of dating and sex horror stories, your nightmare fuel that you have for me at hello at itthelotpodcast.com. And um, I will chat to you guys next week, hopefully without a crying voice note. Mwah.